Hello and welcome to Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a Million Heart Series. My name is Logan Wolf, and I'm coming to you from my office in Provo, Utah, where my wife Grayson and I have been church planters for almost 13 years now. Uh, we moved here from North Carolina and uh, began meeting in the conference center of a hotel, and we did the mobile church thing for several years before navigating a church merger, becoming multi-site overnight with buildings and staff in two different places. And after several years of multi-site, we offloaded that entire structure and are now functioning across the state of Utah as a network of house churches. And so my purpose with this podcast is to walk back through all of those experiences and to share what I wish I had done differently, what I would do differently now if I were pursuing those same courses of action, uh, what I would do differently, just knowing what I know now. And my hope is that I can spare you some of the heartaches, the frustrations, the tears, the headaches, the money, the time, the energy um, that I feel like I have burned and wasted and then thrown away. So, uh, and I've been, the last several episodes, I've been bringing in some other voices, some uh, brothers, different parts of the country to share their experiences with us and to have some of this conversation together. And that is the case today. I am joined by my friend, uh, Dustin Alley. He is up in Bristol, Connecticut. And uh, he's not so much a church planter as a voice for church revitalization. And so he's going to come at it from a little different angle, and we're going to press in here to some of the uh, the similarities and the differences in his own story that I think you will find very valuable as we continue to uh, explore uh, some of the many mistakes that are possible as you're uh, navigating your own church planting journey. So, um, Dustin, hello, sir. How are you doing? Hey, Logan. I'm doing well, man. Thank you so much for having me on here today. I'm looking forward to the conversation. Yes, sir. Why don't, uh, by way of introduction, maybe you kind of walk us through just a little bit of your faith journey, a little bit of your experience, um, particularly just around landing where you are at uh, at Liberty Baptist Church, and um, give us some context for our conversation. Yeah, sure. Sounds great, Logan. Listen, I um, I'm a I was raised in the South. I was grew up in a Baptist church, and uh, I've never been told I was short-winded. It always goes the other direction. So if I start talking <laughs> a little too long, feel free to interrupt me. Um, but yeah, no. So yeah, again, raised in the South and uh, grew up 13 years old. I went away from my faith. God brought me back uh, while I was serving in the Marine Corps in Afghanistan. And uh, when I came back, I came back to my wife, our one-year-old son. And uh, now I have three children. Uh, gosh, what are their ages? 12, 8, and 7. My 8-year-old wow. turns 9 here soon. And then my wife and I have been married. It'll be 17 years on December 30th of 2023, uh, together 19 years. So that's been wonderful. Uh, but when God brought me back, um, he used a, a church, he, he used a man, a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps, uh, to start asking questions. And then I came back to Arizona. We went to church. Uh, God used a men's group to just break my heart and let me see what I had left behind. And, uh, you know, and then we went to a different church a few months later uh, for reasons that now wouldn't have been a big deal. But uh, we ended up going there. God called me to ministry in 2013. I surrendered in October. I denied recruiting orders. And in 2015, I was an, I came on as a assistant pastor working with youth, and my pastor basically told me, if I don't want to do it, it's yours. I'm like, okay, cool. And so uh, <laughs> I, I did that work for three and a half years, and that was wonderful. Uh, my pastor was a church planter, if you will. The church had been planted when he got there, but it was only 18 months old. There was like 12 people. And so it was cool to actually go through that church planting process with him, in a sense, um, because that was he got there in 2011. I started coming around 2013. 2015 is when I came on staff. And then I was on staff there for us to start an academy. The church grew. And uh, 2019, 
late 2018, God called me to lead pastor it and to take that step of faith. 2019, got voted in up here in uh, Liberty Baptist in Bristol, Connecticut. I've uh, been here four and a half years, six months, seven, eight months in, COVID happened. And uh, yeah, so I, I don't even know what it would be like to pastor a church in normal circumstances. Um, <laughs> we're still figuring that out. So that's the that's the shortest version I've ever given of that story. So that wow. that's kind of how we ended up here. Yes, sir. That's that's awesome. So, okay, you take, you're there front end. So you're yeah. seeing some of the the immediate workings of a church plant. You're mm-hmm. attending there. Now you're on staff. You're now you're leading it, and you lead it right into COVID. Yeah. Well, uh, so now now this church here wasn't a plant. This church was this, they were celebrating their 40th anniversary that, whenever I got here. Well, you yeah. 40th, and so yeah, you took church, over. You took over there prior yes, to COVID. Sir. Yeah. I'm yeah. Now, with you. Okay. yeah. Now the the church in Arizona, Freedom that Baptist, was, that, that was, was the church plant that I came into. Uh, and that was, and it was, it was really cool to kind of see that, um, that transition into a more established ministry. And so, so yeah, maybe before we kind of speak to uh, your experience there in Connecticut, what, I mean, just maybe two or three quick things quickly off the top of your head, what did you notice differently about going from what was in Arizona to just Connecticut? Because there's this huge decades different in age. And so what, yeah, what no. Yeah. So, um, you know, my pastor there, we unfortunately went through a little uh, split uh, uh, 2011. Gosh, it was 20. Was it the year I surrendered? 2013, 2013, 2014. There was a little split. And um, and I was close with my pastor and he kind of brought me in and said, hey, I need your help. OK, let's figure it out. And what I the reason it split, actually, I'm. Um, and, you know, it's his story to share, but he came there and as he grew in his faith and closer to Jesus, he realized some of the things he had been taught were not um, not who he was, not what he believed, not what he thought the Bible taught. And uh, he found things in the Bible that contradicted stuff that he had been taught and more around preferences that were being preached as doctrine and stuff. And when that started to come out in his teaching and preaching and in his life and his wife's life, there was a big stink raised about it, split happened, and then we we went forward from there. But what I what happened after that was everyone that stayed back was 100% behind him. Like yeah. they were his pastor. They had been through a battle with him and supported him. And uh, one of the greatest things I saw was that he could basically do, and it, you know, obviously, you know, he's a good man and you know, not anything illegal or sinful, but wow. he could do what he wanted. And <laughs> he had earned that influence. He'd earned the op- the right to do that. And again, it, that was all most of the church knew was how he did things. And so, you know, it was just what, how, how church was there. And uh, he was he was great at leading and uh, respecting people and bringing people into conversations. But it was it was very much he could do what he wanted, and uh, that's probably the major difference between a church plant and a revitalization work. Yeah, I well before we we talk about that, you said something there that just made me think of a conversation sure. I had earlier with uh, another brother, um, or maybe it was just me monologuing, <laughs> just speaking into the ether. talking to know. yourself. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, right? so, yeah, but that idea of you know we went under an organization where there was. When once we got here, realized there were some differences in preference or some differences in maybe yeah. even understanding of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And that some deep struggles come out of that. Oh, but absolutely. obviously it was working itself out in the ministry um, and even those relationships. And I it's interesting. I feel like that's so many people's story. They get you you anytime you move out from your circle or from your hometown or your home church or whatever, there mm-hmm. is this like coming of age, so to speak, where you're having yeah. to like own is do I really believe this? 
Is it something yeah. I was just told? Do I see this in the scriptures? Is it something I was just told was there? Is this right. who I am? Like that identity piece. Yeah. Um, man, that's that's so big. I, I'm curious, what's your experience? Did you ever have a coming of age moment with that kind of stuff? Um, identity crises around that kind of stuff where you're shaking off maybe what wasn't really you and having to find what you do believe and what you do uh, maybe philosophically or, or uh, theologically. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm still living it. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it a crisis, but it, it's definitely something you're growing, growing through. And um, when I came, I, I remember serving as the assistant pastor and telling my wife stuff like, I can't believe he does this. I'm going to do it so differently. You know, it's like the parent who doesn't have kids, <laughs> right? Like I'm going to do Which is so the most annoying thing ever. Oh, have someone 100%. Who have <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to this, you don't have children, don't give parenting advice. You know nothing. All right. Um, and it's the same thing if you're not pastoring. And my pastor told me this. And I was the ignorant, prideful, 28-year-old guy that just got out of the Marine Corps. Um, you know, he said, You don't know, you don't know how to pastor until you've pastored. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm with you like almost 24-7. I'm your assistant pastor. I'm involved in everything. There's no like, how could I not know? No, I got it. I get it now. Yeah. I'm four and a half years in. I get it now. And it didn't take me that long to figure it out either. <laughs> and I say figure it out, figure out that I did not know what I was doing. And so, um, but yeah, so I came into it with this idea, man, because I had almost I had put some people on a pedestal that shouldn't have been there. Um, and was really trying to model my ministry and my life after how they did things. And it led me on a journey of just discovering that number one, uh, and I, I knew this, but I don't think I was living it. Like there's no cookie cutter model to church planning or reaching people for Jesus. Uh, if there was, we'd been given a lot better descriptions than what we've got. And it wouldn't be so gray area, you know, order of service would have been planned out, which honestly, I kind of wish we had, um, because I hate having to figure out like, when's the best time to do announcements? When should we do the offering? You know? (laughs) Um, but it's honestly like whatever you want, do it whatever you want. Just, just do it, have fun, you know? And so, um, so anyways, that coming coming into that, I had an idea of how I was going to do things and how I wanted the church to look and how many services we're going to have and when we were going to do it all. And then it's just kind of like, why though? What's the Bible say about it? How am I following Jesus? Can I do this and be genuine in who I am? Because if I, as a pastor, am having to force myself to uh, follow Jesus a certain way, I'm going to end up trying to force other people to follow Jesus a certain way. And that's not my job. Like There's a God, and He sent His Son to die for me. And because I believe in that, I'm indwelt by His Holy Spirit. He'll do a much better job at helping people follow Him and, and, you know, I say forcing, but bringing conviction and stuff, uh, then I will, you know, yeah. and uh, we preach the Bible, we preach on sin, we preach, um, on good, on wisdom and discernment. Um, but you know, I'm sure some listening may have been a part of churches where pastors were just telling them like, you're not right with God unless you do this, that, and the other thing. Uh, and, and it's all preference stuff. And so, yeah. um, you know, I was never that far gone, I would say. Um, but it, and a lot of that helped seeing my pastor come out of some of that. Not that wow. he was that way, but he came from that, and so it was ingrained in him. And then, and I'll say this, because you mentioned being a part of an organization and then getting out there and realizing there's such stark differences. Um, the fear of man is a snare. And if you begin to drift from your supporters and the, or the, the doctrine that they hold or something they hold as doctrine that you see as preference, um, number one, it's respectful and kind to just let them know that like, Hey, I I just want you to know, I'm starting to change on this. And, and I understand if you want to drop support and you need to be ready for it. 
But yeah. if we're allowing uh, the money coming in, uh, whether that be as a church planner, as a pastor with uh, someone who, you know, is a heavy, a uh, big tither, um, you know, we, we can't allow money to make our decisions for us. We've got to be true to who Jesus has called us to be. Yeah. And, um, and and that's just so important coming into it. Because um, one of the statements you and I were talking about, you know, is what you win them with is what you'll keep them with. Yep. And don't be surprised if you start changing your, your preferences, your methodology and these things and people start leaving. But but mm. but that's okay, because you're not meant to be everyone's pastor. And I say you, we, we are not meant right. to be everyone's pastor. If we were, there would be one church, there'd be one pastor, and that would be it. There's not. And so I'm going to pastor the people that God sends my way, and I'm going to wish well to people that believe someone else could pastor them better, yeah. because I want them to follow Jesus, not me. And so that that you know that's that's I don't know if I answered your question there. I think I went long winded, a little ramble talking to myself some and so sorry about that <laughs> Bro, but yeah. uh, dude no you, this is this was excellent and, and know, I want, logan, when, uh, logan when you think about it podcasters we're all a bunch of crazy people because if we're not doing an interview we're just talking to ourselves talking. into a microphone right and then because yes. if i was sitting here without a microphone on people would just call me nuts right what but is this guy here doing we are in there yeah so, so i want to i want to emphasize something because i think it's so crucial for guys who are just starting church planting thinking about church planting to recognize you said it there is not this cookie cutter model mm-hmm. um yeah. and yet we go to the bible there are clear biblical principles but you're right there's never this prescriptive uh mm-hmm. do xyz and it, it, which make you know principles transcend culture they transcend history i mean it can be worked yeah. out anywhere so the, there is it puts it on us how do we live this out in our context in our day no um that I get that modeling after some someone else's ministry, and I think that's that cookie cutter mentality. Like, oh, they mm-hmm. did it this way, I'll do yeah. it the same way. I was doing that. I had a whole episode where we talked about church planning books, and brother, I was using some a couple church planning books as like checklist, and I was oh, wow. doing. Yeah, and I had done this, and then I flipped. Okay, I'm doing this. Hang on. And then, yeah, you got one there. What do you got? Yeah, yeah, right here. Not not a bad book. I'm not promoting it, but th- this was mine. Order, order in the, the church by I Dr. Had Paul Chapel. Do you? Same yeah, book. man. I, I was looking there like, okay, I got to structure everything exactly this way. And this Which, is how I okay, have to do it. And I'll it, tell right? you, for a church plant, that book I, that book fell into my hands at a dangerous time because we don't even have the people to necessitate half the stuff. No, in that book. no. Yeah. So you're you're out there like, okay, <laughs> I'm going to do, do it. And I'm going to be the parking put, lot team. I'm going to be the greeter. I'm going to be the usher. I'm going to be the sound see, guy. You're saying it in jest, yeah. but we did that, like that. Yes. We had so many systems in place. And it's me, you know, that first year, I'm preaching to my wife a full year. It's me and my wife only. And, oh, you know, no. I'm like, so let's stand and, and shake hands, greet your neighbor. And it's, it's like, what are you doing? It's like me. Like walking over. So, <laughs> so I get uh I get that trying to mock dude. It was ridiculous. Thoughts. That's hilarious. <laughs> I, was there a live stream of this? Is there a recording? <laughs> I am so glad. I'm oh, so glad man. there's no recordings of any of that. Oh, mess. that's awesome. So we uh anyway, we're having so I'm looking at these other guys, these big ministries you want to model yeah. them after yeah. and thinking this is how it has to be. And then you get out here and what you just said. I really struggle with this. I fear of man. You know, what, what, I don't yeah. know the verses in Proverbs. It's it's a snare. You, you quoted mm-hmm. it. Uh, man, that is, I have found that yeah. in a deep personal way these last yeah. few years as we've made that transition in the house church. And I remember it was so big. We had got rid, we, we had formed our sending agency, but we had not told any of our supporters, mm. we've gotten rid of the buildings. This is what we're doing. And it was out of fear because yeah. I thought this is our, 
only like my, my those financial supporters is how I'm paying my bills and feeding my family. Right. And yeah. so we went almost three months before we had mentioned it in the newsletter and like, hey, by the way, <laughs> that's we've completely uh, changed everything. We've changed we everything. And yeah. it was and I looking back, I, I could see it. It was purely fear, which is so yeah. crazy because I know beyond a, a doubt, God called us into this. Like it, oh, God yeah. was clearly leading. And mm-hmm. that still wasn't enough to quell, well, what will so-and-so think and what will so-and-so yeah. do and will the money? And of course, when we brought it up, all those fears were actualized and all the money went away. So, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, yeah. then, you, then you're with, okay, that is what God's leading us into enough. Like, is he going to be enough in yeah. this? And oh, dude, that good. was a, a struggle. I'll tell you another book. If you're talking about books... Uh, no, I'll talk about it. books all day. I do. You know, I can. We not you and I have already done this. Hold on <laughs> I here. think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. Right here. Hold on. Yeah. I'm not. Uh, I've not finished it yet. But have you read this? When people are big and God is small. No. No, I haven't. Uh, it's fear pressure, dealing, codependency. Yeah, okay. And the fear of man. And so oh, okay. uh, I'm. I'm in it right now. But. I'll uh, I'll throw that in the show notes too. Well, I just think we're this is a... put that in my Amazon list. There you go. I would uh yeah, I'd be curious once you finish it. Just how, yeah, that's uh, good. I okay. So I've grew okay. First off, I grew up in the south. And where, where, little, where in the south did you grow up? Yeah, northeast Tennessee. So Kingsport, okay. Bristol, Johnson City area. I grew up in smaller towns around there. Church Hill, Mount Carmel. I mean, come on. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. I grew I grew up in God's country. Literally, we were on Mount Carmel daily. Um, Mount Carmel's like a one street, a one street town. And you know, wow. thought, well, okay, I'm going to get a, a sidebar here, but, um, I'm from the South. So there's a little bit of rebel in me just, just by yeah. nature. Okay. And my family leads towards that anyway. Um, and then the Marine Corps. Okay. So I, I was, I was known as a pretty cocky individual. I told my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, she'd say, like, you're so cocky. Like, I'm not cocky. I'm confident. There's a huge difference. That's not awesome. Really. Not really. Not really. Uh, <laughs> confidence just means I can back it up. Cocky means I can think I can, I think I can right? Uh, you know, what? what is it? It's pride if I say I can do it, but it's God's gifting if I actually do it. And That's so, right. um, but Hilarious. yeah, so anyway, so so it led to that. So fear of man, I don't think has always been a major thing for me personally. Um, and so it's I sound brash and harsh whenever I speak against it. Um, but and I, I say that just to say to not just to you, but to your listeners here, right? Like, guys, if you know, if you hear me say something in regards to that, please don't take it of like it's an easy thing to do. Like Logan, right. you having to make that decision to you knew, like, I'm about to lose my entire yeah. income. Yeah. because of this decision. Like it's, it's not easy and don't think it's wrong if it takes you time to process through it. I think that's something we we do, Logan, is we hold guilt and shame over our head that God never intended to be there. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm preaching on, I've just preached on letting go of worry. I'm preaching on letting go of control this weekend and worry and control both come from the same place, fear. And when we have those, it, it's almost as though we think like, oh, I'm fearful. I, I'm not a good Christian or I'm worrying. I'm not a good Christian. Like, no, oh, hold up, hold up. God expected you to worry. That's why he told you what to do when you worry. Yep. And, and so experiencing the emotion, experiencing worry is not a bad thing. It's what you do with it. And you're not going to be able to wake up one day and say, oh, okay, God, I'm casting all this worry and all this fear at the foot of the cross and it's yours. Because you know what's going to happen? You're going to wake up tomorrow. You're going to go back to Calvary and be like, hey, 
I, I left something. Let me just let me just grab that real quick, right? It's a daily decision to give that up. And it's okay because the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. What's that mean? That means God expected you to go back to him about the yep. same thing over and over again until one day you will either be rid of it or two, be able to look back and say, wow, I just went a million days without actually picking up this worry because I daily chose to give it over to God. So fear of man, fear of anything you've got going on, guys, don't, don't, it's, you're not a bad person. You're not a weak Christian. You're not a weak man for experiencing these things, but you have to make a choice of what you're going to do with it afterwards. Good. It's really good, brother. I appreciate you speaking into that. That's awesome. Wasn't even on the list of things we were going to talk about. No, no. <laughs> that's, yes, awesome. that, that's extra. You got to pay that's, for that one. Guys. Oh my gosh, that was good. Um, okay, so we're we're talking about the church planter. You're uh, you're in a situation where almost we're calling it church revitalization. You've come into yeah. an older church, forty plus mm-hmm. years, yeah. already established. You've already well, mentioned. Let me, yeah, let me pause ahead. for just a second. Yeah, because when it. we say already established, I think there's some preconceived notions about ahead, what yeah. that means. Let me go let ahead. me talk about what I walked into, and and I say with respect. If anyone from our church listens, you know I love you. You know we've talked about these things. Uh, it's just the truth of the matter. When I came into our church, um, when you pulled up, the sign out front has a steeple on it, and then the words Liberty Baptist. When you turn into our property and you look at our building, there's something missing from the building. There's no steeple. (laughs) All right. So then I come into the church. I won't go into all these details. That's hilarious. But I I walked in and because I just, I think this way, I asked like, hey, what's the, what's the church's logo? And I get told, well, um, I think it's like the proclaimer. And what does that mean? The guy proclaiming liberty in the colonial outfit with his mouth wide open and a bell. Uh. Right? Like, okay, well, is that on any material or anything? Well, no, no. Oh, okay. Is there any, like, anything you put out or, like, show people? And, uh, like, well, hang on. And then someone goes into the the church office, grabs the previous pastor's business card that has this logo, logo. And if if you're listening and not watching, there's air quotes around the word logo. Um, Air quotes make for great audio. Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's like a globe. With a G or something? I don't even know. I don't even know. I could have made it in paint in two minutes. And I'm like, that's that's not it. Mm. The church did not have a social media, a public social media presence until I was candidating. Mm. And I asked them after uh, when I on my first interview, hey, I was looking for you all on social media. I couldn't find you. Was I looking for the wrong place? Did I mess this up? And they go, oh no, we don't have a we don't have a Facebook page. And I was candidating in 2019. All right. This wasn't like 2003. Okay, so like when we say established, there were there's a building, there were finances, there were people. <laughs> that, that's okay. all we mean, <laughs> uh, right? You know, and then uh, what's what's the outreach program? What does that look like? We do a Christmas play every year. Okay, all right. Um, d- d- any serving opportunities? Any events? We do an Easter egg hunt. Oh, okay. Where do, where do you do that at? Up here. Okay. And then this, and that actually wasn't too bad of a thing. We've continued that and kind of uh, expanded on it and stuff. Um, you know, and so just kind of like, do you guys, do you have life groups or anything? No, we have a Wednesday night service. The Wednesday night service of a church that was running about 140 at the time I got here um, was about 18 people. Hmm. Okay. Um, you know, so there were some things to work through. And yeah. so, like I said, established, but man, there was, there was, and, that, and that's just reflective of, of some of the other things. Website. Oh, website was a free Weebly thing. Oh, Lord. 
Um, yeah. So, I mean, the outreach, the presence in the community, the outreach to there, I mean, there's a, this is a diamond. This, the people yeah. of this church are amazing. They love God. They love others. They have a desire to serve the community. And it was like a diamond hidden in a neighborhood that nobody knew about. And so that was kind of like job one, let people know about this church. And okay. so that's, that's, yeah. that's what we've been working for. So, um, just wanted to pause. It's like, when you say established, like there were things <clears throat> there, a church planner doesn't have, but man, okay. I, I felt like, okay. We're at square one. Let's go. All right. Before we go on, because uh, this isn't going to be a topic, I don't think big enough for a whole episode, but have sure. you, what's the worst church website you've seen? Just Can I, it, can I say mine? Can I say ours? Is it, like, well, here's the worst one you've it? ever like, seen. <laughs> brother. Was that the um, worst one you've seen? Oh, gosh. No. Okay. okay. It's in the top five. Um, but like, man, I've seen... I clip art. And just this is in the last few months. I saw clip art on a church website. I'm like, what are you doing? Dude. What are you doing? That died at least a decade or two ago. And I, you know, it's it's kind of like when someone asks you, like, hey, um, yeah, can you fax that to me? I'm like, no, I'm sorry, Cheryl. I left that in 1985. <laughs> um, do you have any other main like carrier pigeon is actually more likely to happen than a, a fax, fax machine in 2023, yeah. right? It's easy to find um, pigeons. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so, you know, I, I've seen them with clip art, and then I love love you've got some that will just like word vomit like everything that they believe about everything like guys honestly like that's not what that's for that's not what that's for you got to have a purpose on your church website like if you're a church planner um you need to reach out to nucleus Nucleus nucleus.church they'll help you with a website um for uh, at a great rate and they've even got a program called Nucleus Universe where they'll build the stuff for you. And it's phenomenal stuff. You can go to our website, lbcbristol.org, and we are on the, um, we're, we're just regular for Nucleus right now. I've submitted the paperwork for them to build ours. They're just waiting for us to submit staff photos and some bios, and I've been dragging my feet. So I'll have to get on that. But um, but reach out to them. Like, have a great presence out there. Yeah. Uh, because your website, they say it's the the front door. You know, you got your social media, your website, that people are going to be looking at those. Your Google business profile. Please take care of your Google yeah. business profile. Watch your reviews, comment on them. We had a review for our church when I got here. I got here in 2019. The reviewers from 2017 said they would never attend here again. It was too clicky and things of that nature. So I had to, I got on there and I responded. I'm like, hey, I'm so sorry that you experienced that. My name is, I'm the new pastor. We're, t- we're praying to take things into a different direction. You're always welcome to come back here. Now, I've never seen that person before. Or I've never seen him before. I haven't seen him after that comment. But what what is that? That's out there. So if people see that review, they go, oh, wow. Okay, well, they they got a new pastor. Things should be different now, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so take care take care of those things. Um, Good. But yeah, don't, cl- don't use clip art. Don't Please use don't. Clip art. So I was, first of all, I appreciate the the resource here you're suggesting um, mm-hmm. and encourage people to check it out. I was, I was thinking, so when we were on deputation, so raising money to come yeah. to Utah, we, you know, we were in 121 yep. different churches. So always beforehand, if I could, I would try to find their website or try to find try to. And so there's a couple things that stand out to me when I see bad church websites. One was clip art. What's the yep. little guy, the little guy, like the stick figure looking guy. He's like pointing or does all like, anyway, he's a real like common clip art character. Yeah. 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 And he was on more than one church's website. Um, and then the church, the websites that would have the counter at the bottom, how many people visited their website. You ever seen those? Oh, why I you, forgot about that. Why do you, why would you put that? On oh no. And yeah. I'm like, right? I'm like, oh. I'm like number number 16. Yeah. 
<laughs> and the church has been there for 15 years. Like, oh no. Like, no okay. one's on your right. And then one website, and I cannot remember, which is good. I wouldn't have mentioned the name. One website though, that had the wallpaper, you know, on the background. It was angels, oh, angels. Yes. All, and yes. dude, as soon as it loaded up, it was like hallelujah choir music. Like playing the whole time. There's no way to turn it off. Just music. It's like it's made on tripod. You got, do you yeah. remember tripod? Yes. Wow. Dude. And wow. Like, Why? You can do we... stuff like that on tripod. I forgot people even did those sorts terrible, of things. Terrible, terrible things. And of course, I mean, the, the evolution of a website is an interesting thing to, to look at because it went from like build this robust site with everything on it to, hey, do you just have a landing page? <laughs> that would be great. You right. Know? Just narrowed it down. Well, because I mm-hmm. think another thing that uh, – was was uh, just uncalled for. You've already mentioned it. Was where they put their entire theological thesis on their website. Oh and yeah. I'm our webs again. I even I go back and forth with ours. Our website has a very pared down one, and mm-hmm. my reason it is I want to have those conversations in person. Yeah. I don't I don't want you to like hear blah and, and are you taking yeah. it the wrong way now? We can't ever have this conversation, especially around yeah. hot button topics. Right. Um, and that, or, and that's the thing. Like That's not what the website's for. No, What's the purpose no, no, of no. the purpose of my website is to get someone in my front door. Yeah. I want my website to help lead someone to the church. Right. And then we can have difficult conversations. Yeah. Man, right. I'm right there with you. I, I mean, yeah. I don't want those conversations face to face. I want to see your eyes. I want to hear your voice and I don't want to like be doing all yeah. text messages or email. So yeah, absolutely. Cause you, I mean, cause I, I mean, talk forever. Uh, verbiage, verbiage, and the way and the way that you say things is going to be dependent upon how personal it is to an individual. I just had a hot button topic mentioned at a Q and A we did, and and then it got brought up again by the same person. I'm like, mm, this is personal. This isn't yeah. just an inquisitive question. This is personal. And come to find out, the the um, she she had some things going on in her family that related to the topic, and so it was very personal. So I can't just give like, oh yeah, the textbook says. Like, yeah. no, we got to talk about this and right. really show your care and love because that doesn't come across in a website, especially no. if it has clip art. Awesome. All right. This isn't even, this isn't a side also happening. Been. Okay. Let's go to this. We're talking church planting, church revitalization. I want you to kind of draw, you mentioned one thing already, um, yeah. and that was the established patterns and rhythms and a, a, the church you're coming into, a church you may mm-hmm. revitalize, has got decades yeah. of tradition and way things have been done and preferences mm. in place. Whereas a church mm-hmm. plant, and you mentioned this too, it just go, I mean, changes. And a church plant changes yeah. constant. I mean, it's just, you're turning on Absolutely. a dime constantly. Yeah. So other than that, what other, what big differences, things um, would you, if you're contrasting those two roles, church revitalizer, church planter, Yeah. Uh, before we kind of press into our, our main no, Not to detract from a church planter's pastoring, but I don't know that I became the pastor of this church until a year ago. And, and I was leading this, organi- this church as an organization, in a sense. I was the one preaching. I had been there for people. I'd been in hospitals when husbands had passed. I've been there for new births. Um, I'd done those things, but I don't know that I became their pastor until about a year, and a year, year and a half ago, maybe a little longer. Um, but it was probably three years in before I started, two and a half, three years in before I started feeling comfortable as the pastor, right? Yeah. And so, um, but... And, and and as a revitalizer, that's difficult because I was required to pastor a, a good number of people. As a church planner, sometimes it's just you and your wife, right? right. Uh, and that's probably <laughs> got to be the most difficult to pa- person to pastor. Like, <laughs> I don't want that job, okay? Um, but no, in all, in all seriousness, the church planner's problems, from my perspective, deal primarily with things. 
within the first few years, right? You're dealing with where's my money coming from? Where are we meeting? How many chairs do I need to set up? How do I, how do I need to set the bulletins out? How do I website, you know, just different things like this. It's thing related. Yeah. Church planning is not an easy thing. It's not what I'm saying, but things are easier to lead and change than people Mm. because it's not just people's minds you're leading and changing. You're dealing with people's hearts. The candle lobbers that had been in the church since it was built that had 2,700 Kelvin bulbs in them. If you don't know anything about the light temperature scale, 2,700 Kelvin is an extremely yellow bulb. Okay. Is it a bad bulb? No, it's perfectly fine. I don't know if it's committed any sins. We might be able to redeem it. But as a, when you have white walls mm. and 2,700 Kelvin bulbs all around, you now have dingy walls. Uh-huh. Yeah. And they need to be removed. So what do you do? Church planner. I'm going to change them out. Revitalization pastor. I've got to get them to see this problem, to believe it's a problem, to allow me to make the adjustment. Because I, I, I don't think we've talked about it since we started recording. But before we started recording, we were talking about the stairs, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah so yeah, as tell uh, that story. Yeah. So I within my first six months, I didn't really change much. I was laying the groundwork. I mentioned the branding and stuff. I had hired a, a, a designer to do a brand guide for us. Our deacons were involved with that conversation. I was bringing like a leadership team together and and really working through that. Um, but I hadn't really made adjustments. I was just kind of like taking stock. There were a couple of things I had to adjust quickly, um, that in finances and the way those are being handled. And uh, that's another thing I could talk about. Uh, but, uh, and then in nursery procedures, background checks, I had to like take care of some of those things. Right. But one of the things that our church was known for is it's Christmas plays and they were doing one in 2019. And when I got here and the church had two stairs on the back of the platform and it was for the choir. I didn't expect me to have a choir within any short period of time. And I I, I know I wasn't going to build one because I can't sing. And then uh, they told me, I said, well, when's the last time church had a choir? Like, well, we, we don't have a choir. Why do you still have the stairs? And so I had a guy in the church had been here for a long time. He's like, well, if you want pastor, I can remove them for you. I think that'd be a great idea. And I looked at the guy who directed the plays. I go, well, you know, is that a problem for you? Like, it would be great if they were moved. It really helps with the set and movement backstage. I go, okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let's get rid of them. He goes, okay, I'll start Monday. He started Monday. Wednesday night service comes around and our Bible study at the time was maybe like 18 people. And um, we, we get in there and he has left it tore apart because he's not finished. And so it wasn't put back. So like mm-hmm. there's, it, it, it looks like it's in disarray because it was. And I have to start fielding questions. Pastor, what are you doing? Why are you taking the stairs away? What's the big deal with the stairs? Why don't we just keep those? And, and at first I got kind of upset, but then I had to sit back and think like, wait a minute. They have every right to ask me that question. And then this is the other thing. There's history. Uh, and I shared it with you, uh, they're coming in as a revitalizer. You've got to learn what's happened before you so you don't do it again. Or at least if you're going to, you do it mm-hmm. better. And so That's I had good. the the previous pastor left under unfor- unfortunate circumstances. And around that time or shortly after his departure, before an interim, I think even got here, uh, I, I came to understand that the youth pastor 
got up in front of the church on after a Sunday morning service and said, hey, there's a dumpster outside. If anybody wants to stay back, you can help us. We're going to be tearing apart the platform today. And immediately men were like, um, where's the money coming at for this? Like, have you voted? Who, shouldn't we have a pastor first? Like, what's going on here? Okay. So now they had someone in a leadership position that was trying to demolish their platform. And then they show up and their new pastor is now demolishing their platform without saying anything to anybody. It's giving them PTSD. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so like I had to fill in those questions and then I, I publicly on Sunday acknowledged like, Hey, I probably should have said something else. Didn't think it was that important. Uh, that was my fault, you know, whatever. And, um, and, and, you know, I had, to, I had to learn from that. And so that is one big difference with re revitalizing and planting. Planting, it's you, man. You're, it's your yeah. mess. You're making your mess. Enjoy your mess because in three to four years, you're going to have a mess. Welcome to it. As a revitalizer, you're coming into a mess. You're trying to clean up and then making your own mess. And now you're cleaning up your own mess. I'm at the stage where I'm, I'm really cleaning up my own mess now. The yeah. first couple of years, it was very easy for me to go back. Well, that's how they used to do it. And that's what led to this problem, you know. And then I say in my own mind, maybe even publicly some, um, but now I've been here four and a half years. So if there's something it, wrong, like that's you. Uh, that was that's that's on me, my bad. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, he, he, hearing you, okay, drawing that contrast is actually really helpful. And looking at some something I experienced when we absorbed, we merged with the church in Salt Lake County. So it's a church that was at the time that I took it over was twelve years old. Mm. And a church, I then the church I planted was five years old. Um, and so I think that's right. Anyway, the, I get into this new church building. We have a church building now up here in Salt Lake and yeah. I'm coming in with that. Just change whatever I want mentality. And uh -huh. so, there, and this was something small. This in, in the hindsight, like, this was so small. Like, what did it matter? There's mm -hmm. two things that were on the wall that I just immediately from day one, like took them off and got rid of. And one was like this wreath, like this, just I don't twig shit, twigs wreath hanging on the wall. And the yeah. other was a coat rack that people would like, it was like a lost and like people just piling stuff on there. It was just becoming a space for just junk to like accumulate. Yeah. So yeah. I just got rid, I just threw, took both off the wall and I threw them in the dumpster. <laughs> and bro, yeah. you would have thought I had like slapped someone's mother because I got <laughs> so much flack for that. And, but yeah. now that you say that it's, it was, it, that's what was happening there. It was the established you know, again, air quotes, mm -hmm. audio, yeah. established church coming into that setting versus coming out of the church planning setting. Yeah. And it was, those worlds were crashing in that merger. Yeah. Like that's crazy. And then, you, uh, and then you have to think it's when you start talking about scale, uh, a great article by Timothy Keller is about um, church size dynamics. Uh, if you Google it, you can find it and put it in the show notes, but it's a wonderful article that needs to be taken consideration for a church planner who's going to be experiencing growth is that, how you pastored and led 20 to 25 is not how you're going to pastor and lead 75 to 100. And how you lead 75 to 100 is not how you're going to lead 150 to 200 and 200 to 300. Okay, and vice versa. Things things change. Early church, and I say early church, not like first century, but early in the life of the church, um, while the church planner does have a lot of freedom and stuff, he's probably also talking to people about things. And they might have a little more say. And if you've got a small church, uh, especially if you're taking over one or revitalizing, if you have a smaller church in that 40, 50 range, they've been doing things a certain way and they've probably been asked about spending almost every dime and this different stuff. And so, but as it starts to grow, you can't have the discussions over all that. One of the things I did change or I, I 
in January, the first victory night I held, that's our annual business meeting, um, I, pr- I proposed a change to our constitution and bylaws. Now, I've been here six months at that point, January 2020, and I'm proposing a change to the constitution and bylaws. Why? They have, were written in 1979, and they hadn't been but- changed. <laughs> There were some adjustments that needed yeah, to be made. I would think so. And uh and so I had to go through that process and lead through that. Um, but again, there's um the smaller church, you know, you really have a lot more people's input. They're really bought in and they're there. And then what's what happens, and as a pastor, as a leader, you have to prepare people for the next step. Hey guys, as we continue to see more people coming in, I want you to know I love you and I'm gonna find myself stretched very thin. So I'm gonna greatly appreciate your help and reaching more people and ministering to them as I'm trying to minister to those that are coming in while also loving on those that are here. And just, you know, again, preparing them for pastor, you're you're not gonna get me like you have been getting me. I started doing that in our next step seminars just this last year um, because people were saying like, what do I ever see the pastor whenever I get to connect to the pastor? We average about 165 right now on a big day without no advertising. We've had over 220. And so it's like when everyone shows up type thing. So, but there's over 200 and some people that call our church, their church. Right. That means there's over 200 and some people that call me as pastor, their pastor. Man, I'm just not that good at connecting with a whole bunch of people. And I know that. And I need the help of those that are here, but I have to tell them. And so I've started when we do our, uh, you might call it a new members class. We call it a next step seminar. Um, I tell them, hey, over these next four weeks, this is the most you're going to interact with me. I'm here if you need me. I'm going to love on you. I'm going to fellowship with you. I hope to connect with you at dinner and coffee and stuff. But remember, when you leave this room and our, our seminars, in a few months, we're doing another seminar. And I'm going to have just as many people. And I've still got people that are out there. And so our responsibility is to do what the Bible says and for us to bear one another's burdens and not look to the pastor to bear everyone's burdens. And Amen. so that's that's a step of growth and talking about scaling. It's good, bro. Um, anything else? around the contrast comparison between church revitalization and church planting before we shift. Yeah. You mentioned that, you know, a church plant can turn on a dime, right? It's real quick, real simple, real easy. Uh, Systems and processes are not really all that required when you've got 20 people, you can group text, Um, but (laughs) establishing those, you're laughing because it happens, right? That's hilarious. Yeah. 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 Um, You need to quickly and immediately begin acting like a church bigger than you are and uh, establish those systems and processes and tell the people, hey, listen, I know it seems kind of redundant right now, um, but we want to operate this way so that when God sends us more people, we can we can properly minister to them. Because why do we have systems and processes? Why do we have a back end? Why do we have finance managers? Why do we have the, all these things? So that we can reach people with the gospel and minister to people who need the, need to feel the love of Jesus. Uh, that's why we do everything. Sometimes you have to remind people that there is a, an administrative side of the church and, but you have to remind them the why. And so, hey, we, yeah, we're going to establish planning center, and I'm going to communicate with you through the church app rather than just a group text so that when we get more people, we can do this, right? Yeah. And then, you know, because some people will say like, well, you know, we don't have that many, but do you not have faith? Did God not say that if we're we're following him, he'll have us be fishers <laughs> of men? Like, what's, hang on, is there a reason we should believe we should not be reaching more people? Yeah, um, right. You know, are you, uh, and then you really want to have fun. Are you going to run them off? Um <laughs> Should I not be inviting people? To- <laughs> exactly. I have a, I have a friend who took a revitalization up in Massachusetts, and he told me that they got upset with him whenever he brought a guest. No way. Because they didn't tell him he he didn't tell them that the guest was coming. Um. Wow. 
I'm going to get my resume ready. Wow. Uh, you know, and he eventually yeah. did have to leave after like a year in, it just was not a healthy environment. And so, um, so, so anyways, the, the contrast, the systems process is the back end that's there. I would definitely be preparing that as a church planner. Uh, talking about them turning on a dime, big ships turn slow. Church planner, hey, I want to do this tonight. Okay, great. You can do that. But when you start making that adjustment, when there's 100 people coming or 75 people or 150 people, 200 people, you just surprised a whole bunch of people that don't know you as well as those 20 did. And so those yeah. 20 know you, they love you, they know your heart, they're there for you. Those 150, there's 15 of them that hate you and are coming because they like the music. There's 20 <laughs> of them that are, they they don't mind you, uh, but they really like the ch children's program. There's a few more that they love your preaching, but they don't really know if they like you or not. Yeah. Um, I've had that said. I had that said to a man in our church. Like, I don't really like the pastor, but I love his preaching. <laughs> Well, I, I, figured, I figured you would experience it because you were rattling these off. Like these were yeah, very, uh, yeah, listen, I'm, I, that's exactly right. Like everything I just mentioned to you are things I've heard people tell me that other people have said. Okay. Right. Like, I don't really like the church too much, but they have a great kids program. I really enjoy their worship. I really enjoy this. Like, and that reminds, it just makes me want to sing that old song out there. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> like, what, what is this about? You know? Um, uh, so yeah, uh, th those are, th 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 I don't know if I answered your question or not, but that's some of the, the differences and stuff there. Definitely want to make sure you're prepared to scale. Uh, and, uh, and as you grow into who you are, be comfortable in it. And, yeah. and just, you know, I, you know, I think we'll talk about it in just a second. Maybe this is a good segue into it, but um, be who God made you to be yeah. and let him draw people to you from that. He may draw 10, he may draw 100, he may draw 1,000. It's yeah. not about the numbers, guys. If it was about the numbers, we'd all go into sales and do something that would get us bigger numbers. It's just, <laughs> it's about loving Jesus and it's about loving people. Uh, majority of churches aren't running over 100 or so. And no. so if you're anywhere near that or if you're below that, if you're below that, you're actually in a bigger category. There are yeah. more people like you. Uh, it's as you start to see churches grow in size, there's less like that. That doesn't mean it's the aspiration we should all have. Uh, you reach who God's called you to reach, and you don't stop trying to reach people. We have faith. We know God can work. Um, and then we accept how God chooses to work. Am I going to pastor 75 or am I going to pastor 750? Well, I don't know. Whatever God's plan is for you. So, Right. I think, yeah, I think that's a good way to even bring it back um, to what we had said earlier around identity and fear of man. Um, yeah. And it is, I think, the culmination of this. Like, are we stepping into who God has created us to be? Uh, mm -hmm. He, I, something we say because we're, you know, we're now more of this disciple making movement, DMM style kind of ministry. And one of the kind of phrases you hear in that world is, you know, God prepares the man ahead of the movement. But I think that's mm. true in any ministry setting. Like he's prepared yeah. you for that time in that place. Yeah. And you got to just own that. And it's, yeah. I mean, that's, that's crucial. It's who, you know, if, you're, if I'm there, I have to believe I'm the guy for this moment. And yeah. uh, I can't be comparing myself with some other brother, some other ministry, some other church. And I can't be worried about the people that aren't here. Um, you know, you know that quote by Theodore Roosevelt about the man in the arena. Is that? Um, uh, I know I've heard it. I can't yeah, call it right I, now. I can't, it's yeah. lengthy. I can't say it, but yeah. it's just that idea of like, you know, you, the guy watching the spectator. You can't care about that guy. It's the guy actually no. slugging it out in the arena yeah, is the one. That absolutely. We need to, and I think that's true in ministry. It's we're the one oh. there. 
you got to press into it and you're and, the one taking the bruises and getting dirty and bloody. So absolutely. And, and one of the things that we struggle with is we're taking who we are or who we are, who we think we're supposed to be from everyone else, our, our, a pastor that's poured into us and good man loves the Lord, right? But he poured into us and this is how he poured into us. And, and we think that we have to do it the same way. We, we do it from comparison of looking at other people. We do it from allowing people to tell us how we should do things. Uh, and then that fear of man and, um, Man, Logan, I, I again, I spent nine years in the Marine Corps. I can speak very forward and directly. And this one, I, I'm going to choose to. And so I don't mean to offend you or anyone else, but I'm can a, I tell you something, the guys? The fact that you've already prefaced it that way, I'm offended. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go on another podcast. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> um, but man, just because you're a pastor to follow Jesus doesn't mean you don't have, uh, doesn't mean you can't have a backbone. Um, you, you can say no when someone looks at you and wants you to do something, say something. Uh, and I've had conversations where I, someone told me I should do something I would, I just thought was ridiculous. And I said, no, I'm I'm sorry. I'm not going to do that. Uh, and then like, well, I think you're wrong. Well, that's okay. You've been wrong before too. You'll find out I'm right when we get to heaven. Have a good day, you know? Um, but, but we, 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 we gotta be able to say no, but we can't say no if we don't know who we are. And so this is something I really want to hit on for anyone out there. And you mentioned actionable steps to try to give you guys, not just personally trying to discover who you are, but allowing a coach or someone to help you discover who God made you to be. Uh, self, self-awareness is really others awareness and people bringing it to our attention, us going, Oh yeah, I do. I, I do that. Yeah. You're right. I actually do. That that is who I am. Um, we uh, many men, uh, many people in general, have not done the work to discover who God made them to be. Right. Yeah. Uh, I have it up in my office, my core purpose, and I have five areas I live my core purpose out in. Well, then from that I build up my goals for the year, and then from my goals I build out my quarterly my quarterly goals. Right, and then my schedule to accomplish those quarterly goals. So I'm living from who God made me to be to accomplish what God's called me to accomplish. So when something comes up that would detract from that, I can look at people and say, no, I'm sorry that that's not going to work for me. I can't, I can't be at that meeting. I can't be at this. And, um, that, that, you know what church planner, you, you may have to be there early on, but if you are still having to be at every event and every meeting as you're pastoring later, you've done something wrong because you need, you should have been discipling someone to be there uh, and and let them lean on them for that because you can say no to something for a sporting event for your kids. Oh, yep. Come on. Man. I'm sorry. I know I Come said on. it. I said it, but you can say no. You can say no if you've had a crazy week and of ministry or of of just life and you you can't make it. You can say no. It's yeah. okay. Now I'm not telling you not to lead. I'm not telling you not to suck it up sometimes and, and you know you handle it. But it's okay if you need to take a breath and say there's another leader who can love them as much as I can during this time. And as, as it gets, as you grow, you don't want to do it last minute. You want to be prepared for it. And this is why we schedule and we do things like that. Um, but, but realize if you're not living from your identity in Christ, you're living for an identity that someone else is giving you. A great book on this is called Stop Trying by Carrie Schmidt. Uh, and helps you to find how, I think it says it on the front, like how to live from your identity, not for your identity. Uh, and finding out who you are in Jesus is going to allow you to pastor better, to be a better husband, to be a better father, and to just really love people well. But you can't do that if, if you don't know who you are. Dustin, I'm going to stop our conversation right there. I feel like that is a great, no, I feel like that was a summation of everything built to that. And that yeah. was a solid yeah, sure. charge to the audience. 
Um, I do want to I do want to plug one more thing. I actually met Dustin through his podcast, yeah. uh, Men After God. So Dustin, maybe real quick, I'll, and I'll link our conversation in the show notes. But do you want to yeah. just kind of real quick give a, a plug about what that is, what you guys do, and how they can find that before we wrap up here? Yeah, I really appreciate you bringing that up, Logan. Yeah, Men After God exists because we believe every Christian man deserves the opportunity to succeed in life with strong relationships with his wife and children. Uh, we started in fa- on Father's Day of 2023. In the first six months, we've uh, achieved over 5,000 downloads. Uh, we've interviewed a ton of guys. We've launched a beta coaching program. Uh, there's a ton of things that we're doing. But ultimately, the reason that we came into existence is because I was living a life contrary to what we were just talking about. I was living for an identity that I wanted to other people to see me having rather than from the identity Jesus had given me. That led me to a point of burnout to where I reached a talk to a spiritual mentor and developed a five-part framework that I live my life under now. I, and I teach others to do the same. We, we deepen our relationship with Jesus. We devote time to our family. We develop ourselves. Uh, we deliver value to others and we do nothing for Jesus. We rest and it's okay to rest. So th- that's why we exist. You can find us on any of your major podcasting platforms. Uh, we're, I think, 24, 29 episodes in as the time of this recording. And, um, and you know, we're just continuing to go forward with that. Uh, we're on facebook.com slash menaftergodpodcast. If you want to find our group, our community, facebook.com slash groups slash menaftergod. And uh, we'd love to just connect with you there and help you achieve success with a thriving faith and family. Because too many guys, too many church planners, too many business owners, too many men in general are pursuing after the world and losing what God has given them as their greatest gift, their relationship with Jesus, their relationship with their spouse, and their relationship with their children. So again, facebook.com slash menaftergod. You go to menaftergod.org, our website. We've got different information and a brand new blog that we just launched a few weeks ago uh, with at at least two or three uh, articles coming out each month. uh, And our blog manager is handling that. And I know she's got a great vision for it. And I'm excited for what she's going to bring to the table. Sweet. Thank you so much, Dustin. Guys, I hope this has been helpful for you. Uh, if it has, please subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating, a review. Uh, man, that helps other people find it. I'd also ask if uh, you know a church planter, a church, someone in church revitalization ministry, uh, maybe you're, you are a church planter. Um, man, please share this, pass this around on your socials, send it in a text message, give it, give it to your team, send it to them. Uh, my heart and uh, the, even the motivation behind this conversation today, I want to be helpful. I want to encourage. Uh, I don't want people to feel like they have to reinvent the wheel to make the yeah. same mistakes again and again and again that those ahead of them has made. I just want to see uh, people reached in my city and in the city that you're serving in or preparing to serve in. So again, my name is Logan Wolf. I'm in Utah. I was joined today by my friend Dustin Alley. He's up in Connecticut. And this has been Everything I Did Wrong as a Church Planter, a Million Part Series.